So if you would open your Bibles today with me, today we are in Acts chapter 5, verse 1. Now let me say this. This is a hard, hard passage to read. I had planned on something else, and then nothing was happening, and the Lord laid this upon my heart, and I was like, oh no, why do you have me reading this? I was... If you know Acts chapter 5 and if you know this story, you know it is a hard story to read. It's a hard story to go through, but I believe that the Lord has placed this upon my heart. So let's read the entire passage in verse 1. And I, I read from the NLT. If you want to have that discussion with me about why I use the NLT, we can talk about that later. But just that's what I read from. But there was a certain man named Ananias who his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought a part of the money to the apostles claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell on the floor and died. Everyone who heard about this was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, took him out, and buried him. And about three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, what was the price you and your husband received for this land? Was this the price? She replied, yes, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the Holy Spirit? The spirit of the Lord like this. The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell on the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Lord, I just pray that this message would reach those that need to hear it, that you would just give me the words of wisdom to speak with this message, Lord, and that every single person would be able to take one thing away from this message. But Lord, this is not me, this is your message, so I pray that we just give you the glory and everything and all that we do. In your name we pray, amen. Now, I, I do have to go kind of like from one thing to another, I'm sorry. So, uh, I forgot about these, but these are still on your seats. These are the invite cards. It says, this invite can change your life. Please, please, please take some. You know that one person that you've been praying about to be saved? How about you give them this? You know that one restaurant that you always go to that the person knows your order before you walk in? How about you place some of these there? Before you do, pray over this card. In youth, I asked them last week to pray over specific prayers and watch God do miraculous, miraculous things. Because when you provide the specificity, the Lord gets more glory. So I pray, and I challenge you guys to pray over these cards and give them out to somebody that you have been trying to give out or trying to talk to the Lord or your favorite restaurant or, you know, those like um, you sometimes like go into gyms and stuff like that and they have all those business cards like postered on the wall or something like that. Go put one of these on there. Church, if, if you dedicate yourself to this, if you pray over the cards, watch what happens to this church. And, and I mean that in the most literal way I possibly can. Watch what happens. Watch what God does to this church when we follow out the Great Commission and we go and preach and we do the little things. We go out and to all nations. 
So take some of these cards. If you need some extras, there is some in the back. You can find the ushers or myself after, and we can give them to you. But let's go back to this message. So like I said, it's a hard topic. I'm a youth pastor. I usually kind of like to have some sort of upbeatness to my messages. So when the Lord laid this upon my heart, I was like, ooh, this is going to be fun. That's sarcasm. It was, I, I was kind of dreading this. But when the Lord places something on your heart, you can't run away from it. And that's not just preaching. That's in our everyday walk with the Lord. When he places something upon our heart, we cannot run away from it. If we ignore what God has placed on our heart, we will never see the fruits of our labor. We will never see what God can do. And in return, we're putting our pride over God, which ends up in sticky situations. So in these verses, I I want you to think of something. And I've been trying to teach our youth students this a little bit more. I want you to not read the Bible as stories, but I want you to read them as human beings. So when you look at this passage here, if you want to go back to the first couple of verses, David, when you, when you see this passage here, you can tell that Peter knew these people. They were a part of the church. They were a part of the community. This is um, Pastor Eddie's hot take. This may or may not be true, but we can kind of read in the Bible and kind of figure things out. These people may have been in the upper room. So think about that for a second, because we're, it's so short between chapters of what happens next. These people were, were part of the early church. They were known in the early church. They possibly could have been in the upper room. So when you think about it even more, when you think about the story and you read through the text, you're just like, whoa, <laughs> that's, what do you mean they were part of the church? Well, their pride got in the way of God's glory. And I think that's sometimes, like, even for me and, and growing up, that's, that has happened to me before. Where I've been like, I've seen people pray up front, and I've been like, oh, Lord, like, I hope they choose me out of the crowd so I can go up and pray. That's more of a pride thing than it is for God giving the glory. And it took me a long time to figure that out. It took me a long time to focus in on God's glory instead of my own pride. But when we look at the story, when we look at this couple, like I said, they knew them. They interacted with them. They broke bread with each other. They ate together. They had life together. Peter called them by name. So think of the emotions that Peter must have had as well. So whenever we are reading this text and as we are going through, think of the emotions. Think of like what is actually transpiring. Now, once again, the Bible doesn't say this, but we can kind of like gather the full picture because of it. And it's a hard topic to talk about. That Peter knew somebody. Peter knew that these people were in the church. Peter knew probably about their lives. He probably knew if they have kids, if they had a pet donkey or not. I didn't say dog because dog wasn't really in biblical times, but pet donkey. They probably knew him. And you can feel the tensions of the emotions in this passage. So my first point today, if you are taking notes, is called the choice. The choice. So this couple had made the choice together. 
they had made the choice to lie to the Holy Spirit. That's heavy. Once again, once you have to think about it, these were people of the church. These were people that were in unity with each other. These were people that were probably doing things and preaching and stuff like that, but they decided that their pride was more than God's glory so that they lied to the church. They lied to God. And we can see this when it says, with his wife's consent, he kept the rest. So that means it was a pre-planned thing. That means they talked about it. They said, hey, everybody else is doing this, so we're going to do it too. But let's keep some fun for us. So let's make sure that we're okay. Let's, let's just keep a little bit for us. We can tell them that we sold everything like everybody else was doing. But let's just keep some for us. Now, choices can make or break our life. I think everybody can kind of agree with that. I feel like everybody in this room has had a major choice in their life that has been life-altering. Is that correct? Whether that's a big move, whether that's going to university, whether that's having kids, whether that's starting a new job, there's so many different choices that have made or break our entire life. How many choices do you think that we have in a day? That's not a rhetorical question. I can, I can hear you. How many choices do you think we make in a day? A lot. That's a good... I read while I was researching this that on average, every single day as Americans, as people in this country, we make over 300 choices a day. 300 choices a day. And, and that's just like, it's some stuff that we have routine and that we do, but we're still making a choice in that routine. Whether we're going to get, once again, I think... Every single time I have wore this mic, I have talked about iced coffee. I am an iced coffee person over a hot coffee person. Hot coffee is absolutely nasty to me. I only drink iced coffee, and I cannot be from Cumberland Farms. It has to be from Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks. I see that thumbs down, but hot coffee is way worse than cold coffee. That, but that is a choice that I make every single day. And then I have a choice to add it, and I have a choice to take away things from the coffee and, and see what I want. And when you go to a menu, now there's a hundred different choices on the menu, especially when you go to Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks, of what you can add and can't add. Daily choices make up our entire day. Now, when we get to bigger choices, hopefully, if we have a significant other, we are allowing them to be in that considerably big choice. How many of you, and I'm not asking you to raise your hands, have thought that you, the choice that you were making was a good choice and it turned out to be terribly wrong? I have. So I moved back to Massachusetts about a year and a half ago. And before that, the Lord had spoken into my heart to move back home. And I went, okay, Lord, I'll do that. And then somebody came into my life and said, hey, no, you need to go back home soon. And I said, ah, I just signed a lease. I'm going to be here for a year. That's okay. Like, I'll, I'll still go back home. I know that's my calling. I know that's where I'm supposed to be. And let me tell you, that one year that I ran away from the Lord, I didn't run away, but I ignored his decision for me. I ignored his audible voice to me. It was one of the hardest years I've ever had in my entire life. And then, when I came to Massachusetts, I was stuck in a rut for an entire year. You know the crazy thing? The day after I had been here one year, 
is the call that I got from Pastor Brian saying that uh, the role was offered to me. Literally the day after I had been here an entire year, that's when the call came in. Now the Lord was working before that as well, but I had told him, I said, I'm going to have my life for myself for one year and then I'll go back home. And he said, okay, well, I'll take one year from you too. The choices we make have significant impacts on not only ourselves, but the people around us. Now, we don't know about Ananias and Sapphira. We don't know about their family. We don't know about their background. We don't know anything about that. But the choice that they made impacted those all around. And it was just such a simple thing. It was such a simple thing of just having that choice, having that, no, we'll just keep it for ourselves. Which, when you think about it, is logical. Hey, we need to live. Hey, we need to um, pay rent. Hey, we need to do this. Hey, we need to do that. It is logical what they were thinking, but their pride went before the Lord. Church, let me tell you, when you put your pride, when you put your ego in front of what God has your plans for your life, you will never see those plans. Let me say that again, because that is a hard thing to say. But when you put your pride and when you put your ego before God's plans, you will never see his plans come to fruition. So, uh, in, in high school, we had this thing called ego check, where like somebody on the baseball team had like hit a home run, and they were super pumped up and super high, and my coach would be like, all right, ego check, you're not greater than the team. And I, and I never understood the value of that until I kind of got into college and I was like, oh, yeah, putting my pride before, putting my ego before everything else ruins a lot of things around us. And in this scripture, we see the pride, we see the ego, we see the decision that they made. My next point is the decision. So first you have the choice the pre-planned notion, the thought process that's going on, and then second, you have the decision. So usually the choice is the thoughts and the decision is the actions that they put into it. Two crucial steps. I remember growing up as a kid and I played um, cops and robbers with my friend and we had like the old um, bow and arrow things that had suction cups. And I was at my friend's house and his two sisters were playing in their Barbie Jeep. They were just driving around the yard, and we were playing cops and robbers. They didn't know that they were the robbers. <laughs> and we were trying to get them involved, and they were like, no, we don't want to play. My friend's mom came out and said, no, you guys just play by yourself. Don't, don't play with them, just play by yourself. They're playing separate. And we went, okay. And then we climbed up the treehouse, and we went, there's the robbers. We need to get them. And so I, I'm, I'm, I am taking blame for this. I'm not having my friend take the blame for this. I took that bow and arrow with a suction cup, and I mean, it was a perfect shot. Just like one of those cartoons, it was like, boom, right into the center of the face. And then the tears starting to swell up in her eyes. Now, let me say this. I was like nine or 10. They were like six or seven, okay? So that, that's put that into some context too. The tears immediately started to swell up, and all of a sudden, like just immediately started running to her mom. And me and my friend in the, in the treehouse went, we could run away. 
yeah, let's run away so we don't get in trouble. Like, yeah, let's do that. And so the mom brought us down and said, okay, what did you guys do? Well, the arrow just flew from the sky somehow and hit her right in the forehead. We don't know how it happened, but that's definitely what happened. And then the mom looked at me. I have never been this scared from somebody else's parents besides my own. My parents are pastors, so here's, here's the context for that. She looked over at me and she said, am I going to have to call your parents and said that you lied to me? And I went, he did it. <laughs> and my friend Dan just looked at me, and then I went, no, I'm sorry, I did it. We weren't supposed to play, I'm sorry. But we were given the out of our decision. We had made the choice already. We had thought about running away. And honestly, we probably could have gotten at least over the fence before somebody got to us. <laughs> but we made the decision. It was kind of a group effort. And in this passage, we see that the decision was a group effort. It wasn't just one part of the couple. It was both of them. And so we see something in verse 4 that is just, it's very hard to read when you think about it. Peter says, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Now, there is one thing to test parents. And for you students in this room, there's one thing to test your youth pastor. Because I will get back at you somehow, some way. But it is another thing to test the Holy Spirit. The most, the, the unforgivable sin in the Bible is talking evil on the Holy Spirit or um, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And so when you see heart in this verse, usually in the New Testament, when they are talking about heart, they are talking about your spirit. They are talking about how you interact. They're not talking about your physical heart. They're talking about your being. So when you read this verse and it says, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Remember, these were people of the church. These weren't some just people that were outside and eventually came in. No, these were people of the church. Peter knew them by name. And yet Satan filled their heart. So church, I, I need to pause and, and, and talk about this for a second. You need to be guarding your heart at all times. The, the hardest thing to read in the scriptures, and we see this twice in the Old Testament, is it says that Pharaoh had his heart hardened to the Lord and could not hear him anymore. And the only other time Saul had his heart hardened by the Lord. A man that used to worship God, a man that was chosen to be his king, put his pride and ego in front of God's plans and his heart became hardened. So church, please, 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 please stand on guard. Because even though you may be part of this building, even though you may be part of this community, I can promise you that pastor gets attacked. I can promise you that I get attacked. So stand on your guard at all times. Stand on your guard and let the word speak through to you. Don't let the world speak of you. So we see the human emotion part in this. 
We see the, the lie. And this isn't a little white lie like he did it or, I don't know, the arrow just fell onto her head. This is lying against the Holy Spirit. Like, once again, think about the emotions that go into the Bible. Think about the outcomes that go into the Bible. When you decide that you are going to lie against the Holy Spirit, even though you may think like, oh, this is, the, this is okay, this is for us. When you lie against the Holy Spirit, when you lie before God, terrible things will happen. Because once again, you are putting your pride, your ego, yourself over his glory. That's why I'm saying this message is a hard message today. That's why I'm saying that I didn't want to preach this. I was like, Lord, you should have Pastor Brian preach this. Like, he's the senior pastor. I'm just the associate. You should, you should have him preach this. But here we are. The pride and ego got in the way. Peter says this, the property was yours to sell or not to sell. As you wish and after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. See, it never said that they had to give all their money. It never said that they had to give all their property. It never said that they had to do everything for the Lord, which you should, but it never said that. But church, when we are telling ourselves that like, oh, I am just going to give like 10% to the Lord. I am just, you know, I'm going to make a commitment of maybe I'm going to read every single day of the Bible for the first 30 days of the month, but you only do it for 15. But you know, you know that you are supposed to do it for 30 days. What's actually happening there? You are choosing yourself over the glory of God. You are taking what you think as humans is better for yourself and not listening to the Lord and not listening to what he has for you. And because of that, there is punishment. Our God is a righteous God. Our God takes honesty and elevates it. But dishonesty, all the time in the Bible, dishonesty, there comes with a punishment. And so we see the outcome. In verse 5 it reads, As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Now, now let me say this before. Peter had given him an out. Peter was like, are you sure you did this? Because once again, remember the emotions. Remember that they did life together. Peter was trying to give him an out. And his pride was so greater that he continued to lie. Now, just like me, I, in, in that story that I told you, we were caught. We were caught red-handed. We knew what was happening. And yet, because we are humans, we decided to continue on with our lie. And by the way, I probably got one of the worst spankings I ever got in my entire life when I got home. As like a seven or eight-year-old, I remember that one more so than I remember any of the other ones. But Peter gave them an out. And yet the outcome of their choice for lying to the Holy Spirit was death. Whew. That's heavy. That, that is something that you probably don't want to hear, but I'm sorry, but it's in the word of God, so I'm going to preach it to you. That when you put your pride, when you put your lies above Jesus and what his plans are for you, the outcome is death. 
Now, we don't know this, but we can assume because most of the people in the early church did amazing, amazing, amazing things for the kingdom of God. We can assume that the Lord had amazing plans for them. We can assume that the Lord was going to use this couple for miraculous, miraculous things. We can assume because they were part of the early church, their name may be in the book, in the word, in better definitions than this later on. We can assume these things. But because they decided to put their pride in their ego and put it before themselves, the outcome was death. For the wages of sin is death. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all taken part of this world, but that does not mean we have to continue living of the world. We have the script. We have the ability to get over death. And church, once again, I say just put God before yourself and allow him to do miraculous things in your life. Put him before yourself in every single thing that you do. We're going to continue reading in chapter, uh, in verse 7. And about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, what was the price you and your husband received for your land? Or is this the price? She replied, yes, that was the price. Once again, Peter gave them an out. Peter was like, okay, it was probably just your husband. Your husband put you up to this. Here's an out. I want you to live. I just saw what happened to your husband. So please, please, please tell the truth. Yes, that is the price for the land that we had. Sometimes the commitment and the pride go hand in hand. And when you're stuck in that white lie and you're stuck in the big lie, you just keep digging yourself a deeper and deeper hole and you don't know how to get yourself out. But the truth is the only way to get out of that. And I fully believe because we do have a righteous God that she would not be put to death. That if she said, you know what, that is not the right price that we had. We decided to keep some for ourselves so that we could have food on our tables. Then Peter would be like, well, your husband is dead. That is probably enough punishment, but just never test the Lord again. That is probably what would have happened. Just based off of other things that happened in the Bible, we can see that. But instead, she decided to lie. She kept with the same lie that her husband did. In verse 9, it says, And Peter said, How could the two of you even conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Can you feel the pain that Peter is, is saying these words? He just found out that two of his friends were committing sin, and because of that, they were going to die. He knew them, he knew who they were. He tried giving them an out, and yet they still were convinced that their lie was greater than the Lord. Worship team, you can come back up. So you might be asking, Pastor Eddie, is there a positive side to this message? Is there like a good thing, or are you just kind of calling us out and telling us that we're going to die if we lie to the Holy Spirit? Which, I am not saying that. I am not saying to sell everything that you have. I am not saying that you are going to die. What I am going to say, though, 
is when you put your pride and ego before the Lord, you take away the impact that he can have on your life. You, you, you take away the Lord's plans for you. I've been asked this question before. How can somebody who has been a Christian and we prayed over them and they've been prophesied and they've been set to do amazing things not follow the Lord anymore? And let me tell you, because they decided to put themselves over the Lord. They decided to put the pride over the Lord. But I do have a positive outlook on this though. My next point is called the right way. What should have happened for this couple? We see this in Acts 4, verse 32, verse 37. All the believers were united in heart and mind. Remember, this is the chapter, right? This is literally the verses right before this story. And it says all the believers were united in heart and mind. But yet something happened. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerly to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon all of them. There was no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came to the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Do you know who this Barnabas was? This was the same Barnabas that went on missionary journeys with Paul. This was the same Barnabas that was taught to be the head of the church of Antioch. This was the same Barnabas the same Barnabas who the Lord blessed his life and not for his own pride and not for his own ego, but for the Lord's glory and for the Lord's plans. Now church, I am not telling you to go and sell everything that you have and give it. I am not saying that. I am not saying that, oh, we just need to sell everything. Pastor Eddie says that Barnabas sold everything, so he, we will be blessed because of that. I am not preaching prosperity gospel. But I am preaching that when you honor the Lord and you say what you are going to do to the Lord, amazing things will happen. That's the positive of this. When you say, Lord, I am going to spend time with you. I'm going to spend 15 minutes a day with you for 30 days. And when you commit to that with no gripes, no quarrels, nothing like that, watch what the Lord does. I'm saying when you give your life to the Lord and you allow him to work in ways that you would never expect him to do, watch what he does. Barnabas is in this book mentioned over 50 times because he gave and was willing to do what the Lord had for him. And we can talk like, oh, well, Eddie, he had the best two preachers in, in the game to be his teachers. He had Peter and Paul. Yes, but he also had the heart for the Lord. And if he didn't have the heart for the Lord, if he didn't have the ego, if he didn't, if he had the pride, I should say, if he had the ego, 
then everything that had happened would not have had happened. So church, my challenge for you is this week, I I always leave my youth students with homework or a challenge. And here's my challenge for you this week. Set something aside for God. Allow there to be a conscious choice, a conscious decision, and watch the outcome that the Lord has in your life. And when you follow up on these things, so Barnabas had the same thing. He had the choice that I was going to go sell everything. He acted out on that decision where he sold everything and gave it to the apostles. He praised God for it. And because of that, he is listed in this amazing book over 50 times. He is a father of one of the churches in early churches. He went on missionary journey after missionary journey. The Lord used him probably way more than he ever could have imagined because he brought it before the Lord. And I'm not saying we don't know, I said read these read the Bible as emotions and as humans. But they're prob- Barnabas probably had some issues in his life. Nobody's perfect. We have all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. But he put those aside. He put his problems aside so that God could receive the glory. Church, I really want you to think about that. And I really, as we prep for communion and as we prep for what Jesus has done for us, where we have this direct connection with him now. We have the ability to talk to him. We have the ability to pray to him. We have the ability to cry out to him because he died on the cross for us. So I challenge you just have a little bit of mindfulness of what could be keeping you away from God's glory. Just do a little self-thought. What is keeping you away from God's glory? What is keeping you away from doing what God has called you upon your life? What is keeping you away from him? I know what mine is. And it is something that I have brought before the Lord. I told you that I wanted to be that person. I've had a calling on my life to be a pastor ever since I've been a young age. And because of that, I was, I developed this ego of like, oh, I need to pray too. I'd be at events, concerts, stuff like that. And I'd be like, boy, I sure hope the preacher calls me out and the seat way in the back so that I can pray and be in front of everybody. And I'll never forget, I was in my college dorm. And I, in, on my floor, we had 11 pastors or 12 pastors that are still preaching currently now. And on that floor... I was like, oh, I was volunteering and stepping up for everything. And I had somebody go, have you ego checked yourself? And I went, well, I mean, I'm better than you in a lot of different things. And he was like, yeah, that's not the right response. 
And then he was like, have you just felt like you're hitting a wall and you're not getting past that wall and you can't get closer to God? And instantly I was just like, oh, oh, this is like we're having a serious conversation. Oh, okay. And he said, you need to ego check yourself because your ego and your pride is keeping you from what God has for you. And church, I'm telling you that because I have placed it before the Lord. And yes, it comes up every once in a while or I'm thinking about it or, but I know to be cognizant of it now. So my asking of you is what are you keeping to yourself that you should be giving to the Lord to allow his plans and his fruitfulness to be in your life? And I am not, once again, I am not preaching a prosperity gospel where I am saying, like, if you give everything to the Lord, he's going to bless you along all your imagines and dreams and give you money and you're going to be a millionaire. I'm not saying that. I wish, but that's not how it works. What I'm saying is when you give that little thing that's holding you back from your next step of the Lord, whether it's pride, whether it's fear, whether it's commitment, whether it's one of those things, whatever is holding you back, give to the Lord. You see, because I think that Barnabas, when he went up, he was, and he laid it down at the apostles' feet and he said, here's my money for the property that I have sold. I think that he was saying like, Lord, here's everything else. Here's all my faults. Here is all my pain. Here is all my faults. I am laying it down at the feet of the apostles because I know that you can do miraculous things with this. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that, but we have context because it says they were all in unity together. We have context based off what he is able to do afterwards. And so let me, let me say one thing as well. Church, we are better together when we are in unity. And we have an amazing, amazing senior pastor that is trying to lead us to that. So I ask of you, and he doesn't know I'm going to say this. When I, I ask of you, when pastor asks you to do something, whether it may be small or big, think of the bigger picture that may happen because of that. Now, yes, life does happen. Like, yes, you have to be with your kids. You have to be with your spouse during that time or a family member's sick and you have to take care of them. But when he asks you to do something, there's, I've only been here three months. Actually, I think today is officially my third month. But when he asks you for something, I, I can now see the gears turning in his head. He already has a plan for, for that place that he needs you for. And it can be something small, it can be something big. So when pastor has said, give these little cards that are on your seats out to these individuals, to these people around you, he has a plan. So my challenge for you this week, and even today, is whatever is keeping you from the Lord, whatever is keeping you from glorifying his kingdom,
whatever is keeping you from the next step in your walk with the Lord, figure out what that is this week. It can be something small, it can be something big, but figure out what that is this week. Can we all stand across this room? Lord, I just pray. I just pray that whatever we have as a blocker, whatever that we have as a cause against you, whether we know it or not, whether it's pride, whether it's ego, whether it's commitment, whether it's lying, whether it's fear, Lord, I just pray that we lay it down at your feet today, that we lay it down at your feet this week. That not only that we would go into this week knowing that you have gone before us for it is for your glory, not for our own, but that you would just place in our hearts those little things, those little things that can cause us to be separated from you, those little things that are keeping us from our next step and walk with you, Lord. Lord, I just pray that as this congregation puts it at your feet, that the shackles just fall off of them for this, Lord, that whatever they are going through, whatever they are dealing with, whatever is keeping them from you, Lord, that it would just fall from them, Lord immediately as they pray for it, immediately as they give it to you. Let that fall in front of them, Lord. Let them never pick it up again, Lord. Let them be given it to you for your glory and for your kingdom. So Lord, I pray for this week. I pray for the little things, the little things that are holding us back from you, the little things that are holding us back from hearing your voice, the little things that are holding us back of the plans that you have for us. Lord, I just pray that we would just lay it down at your feet. That we would just lay it down at your feet. That as we sing this song, Lord, I just pray that we would just take that inward deep dive. That we would have that inward look on ourselves of what is going on in our life and that we would give it to you. Lord, allow us to have that inward look for you, 